Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. So I found uh, this book, it's called uh, Obsolete. Obsolete is the title, an encyclopedia of once common things passing us by. A few of the ideas, habits, or objects that made this encyclopedia of once common things passing us by, alarm clocks, arcades, car cigarette lighters, cash, DVDs, long distance charges, photo albums, traveler's checks, and video stores. Now, some people in the room, you're thinking, I've never heard of an arcade or traveler's check. Other people in the room are thinking, what are you calling obsolete? I used most of those things this week. (laughs) Obsolete is more than just something going out of style. Obsolete is when something that was once useful and it is no longer useful, at least as it once was, because it's been replaced by what is faster, stronger, better, easier, or its purpose has now passed us by. I was thinking what uh, seems to be obsolete or becoming obsolete would be memorizing phone numbers. If you were to hand me a, a phone that actually has the buttons on it, I could right now dial the phone numbers of several of my friends that I went to elementary school and high school with. But then somewhere in college, I got my first cell phone and the art of memorizing phone numbers went out the window. So I know Jennifer's phone number, I know my parents' phone number, and once again, I could call my high school and elementary school friends. Who knows if they have the same phone number. Then there are other things like televisions that people used to repair. There was a time when, and maybe you remember this, there was a time when your television broke, you actually would call a television repair person to come to your house and fix your TV, or you would put the TV in the back of the station wagon, and you would take it to the TV repair place and have the TV fixed. Now what do we do if the TV breaks? We just get a new one. With the speed of technology, none of us are buying technology, or I should say most of us, none of us buy technology thinking, this is something that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. We actually buy it anticipating that sometime in the years or even months ahead, this is going to become obsolete and I'll need a new one. Yet, totally counterculturally, totally against the culture of what is good today is out tomorrow, totally against the nature of things becoming obsolete, we believe, we are confident that the Bible is just as relevant today as the day that it was written. We believe that the Bible just does, does, does not just past tense, speak to people long, long ago, God is actively speaking today through his word. 
The Bible wasn't just written by one person at one moment in history. The Bible is actually a collection of 66 books, 37, 39, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, three original languages, and 40-plus authors contributed to the Bible. Every time they do research about Bible engagement in this nation, the research always shows that most American homes have a Bible. When they do studies like this, they find that eight out of every 10 or nine out of every 10 American homes have a Bible in the home. And yet the research also consistently shows that the number of people who are opening the Bible and using the Bible and engaging with the Bible continues to be on the decline. I wanna tell you, church, I desire, it is our desire that People's Church will continue to be a highly biblically engaged church. And I knew you wanted to. In order for us to be a strong, biblically engaged church, we must be made out, we made, made up of biblically engaged households. Biblically engaged households. Ultimately, every mom, dad, son, daughter, teenager, senior, college student, young adult, our heart is that every one of us, we have a personal engagement in the Bible and that we would come together as a biblically engaged church. The American Bible Society gives three points to what it means to be biblically engaged. Point number one, you use the Bible at home and at church. Point number two, the Bible influences your relationship with God and people. And number three, that the Bible is the central influence on choices and decisions in your life, biblically engaged. So the series, Relevant, How God Speaks, goes after questions like, why does God seem so distant? Why does God seem silent? How does God speak? Well, very simply, God speaks through his written word to those who are willing to listen, meaning those who are willing to read the word of God. Now, maybe at some point in your life, some people share a testimony that they have heard the audible voice of the Lord. But most often, that is not how God speaks. Most often, God speaks to us through his written word. And so you might be thinking, I really, I actually would really like to hear the audible voice of God speaking into my life. Well, it's been said, if you would like to hear the audible voice of God speaking into your life, have someone read the Bible out loud to you. What, what do you and I do when something is important? We have it put in writing. If there was something that was important for, that you were going to purchase, some commitment that was made to you, a promise that was made to you, you might say, unless you really, 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 really trust someone, you might say, could you please put that in writing? In fact, even if you really, 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 really trust somebody, you still might say, could you please put that in writing? So our heavenly father, has done just what you and I do when it comes to what is really important. He put his word in writing, accessible to us at any time that we desire. Now, there are many views of the Bible as we gather today. Many of us would hold the belief that the Bible is the word of God. It is without error. It is fully inspired and fully reliable. Others in culture say that the word of God is more symbolic and more uh, than it is literal. Uh, 
And this is often kind of a covering, an excuse to kind of live however you want to live. The Bible is just symbolic. It's not literal. Others might say the word of God, the Bible is the word of God in some places, but it contains factual or historical errors. And uh, still others might say that the Bible is just one book or collection of books among many, many, many books that contain stories, poetry, and advice. So if you're new, uh, newer, you're wondering, well, where does this church stand? Where does this church stand on its position of the Bible? Well, our belief, our position is that the scriptures, both the Old and New Testaments, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man, the infallible authoritative rule of faith and conduct cover to cover. When we gather together, we have people that have all different kinds of backgrounds. And uh, so I don't know what's brought you in today or I don't know what's brought you to be watching online today, but we know that uh, there are our neighbors, friends, people who come in and, and maybe you are convinced that the Bible is largely outdated, that it's out of touch, that it's not for today. Maybe it was good for once upon a time, but not good for today. Maybe you thought, I can't believe that Christians actually believe that. I want to thank you for being open enough to come through our doors or to watch and to uh, be here today. We're probably not going to address all the bullet points that are part of your position, but you're here already, and I would just encourage you uh, to just have an open heart and an open mind to what our Heavenly Father might speak to you about his word today. Who I really want to speak to today is not the extreme skeptic or critic, although I'm fully aware that God is capable of moving in every heart, who I really want to speak with today would be those of us who have a desire to be deeper in God's word, those of us who desire to be a biblically engaged person, those of us who desire to be a biblically engaged family, but in a moment of realness, you would say, I feel like just over and over again, I don't have enough time. I don't know where to start. The words that I read in my Bible, they aren't in my vocabulary, and I struggle to be focused. I struggle to even understand what they mean. I read the Bible, and I don't get the background. I don't get the context. I, I, I believe the Bible has something to say about what I'm going through right now, but I don't even know where to find it. Or maybe you come across stories that they just seem how to, so impossible. You read about things like talking donkeys or being swallowed by a whale, and it's difficult to get your mind around the reality. The description of being biblically engaged, that we use the Bible both at home and church, that the Bible influences our relationship with God and people, that the Bible becomes the central influence on our choices and decisions. I believe that there are some, even many, who are part of our church family today that you would say, I'm not there, but I want to be there. And if, if we could just be real and help each other and not just fake, you know, that we all have this, um, we're all exactly where we want to be in our biblical engagement. I believe that there are many among us, and some of us would say that we are longtime followers of Christ, that we desire to be more deeply engaged in the Bible than we have ever been before. You're not there, and you want to be there. You want to grow in depth. Here is what is so good. The Bible is written for you. The Bible is written for you. Think about this. 
God had you in mind when he inspired those authors millennia ago. Maybe difficult for us to get our mind around, but God actually had you in mind when he inspired those authors to write what we now call the Bible. We think of authors from history like Homer, Aesop, Plato, and Shakespeare. They have put together works that, we would, that have lasted generations would be considered great. And we don't take anything away from ancient literature that has endured. It's an incredible feat. But the Bible is not in the category of these ancient works because the Bible is alive and active and applicable just as much today as it has ever been. The Bible's, the Bible's not just about God. The Bible is used by God to speak to you and me. It's not just informational, it's transformational. Here's how the author of Hebrews puts it, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When, when we read the Bible, it has the power to expose in us what is for God and what is against God. The Bible has the power to even discern our motives, the intentions of our heart. Because, come on, sometimes we can do the right things, but for the wrong reasons. The Word of God is relevant. It's relevant because it is living and active. Now, when it is our desire to become more like Christ, this is a good thing. When it's our desire to become more like Christ, it's a good thing that the word is alive and active, exposing what's going on inside of us, separating the good from the junk. Why? Because the word of God helps us, helps it to be revealed in us what is for God and what is against God and helps us to abandon in our life what is against God. However, when we have those little pet sins that we want to hang on to, the Bible becomes more difficult to read. Because, because the Bible is constantly exposing what is against him and is convicting us of what is in our life that is not for him. And so it is, it is very difficult for a life of willful sin to coexist with daily Bible reading. It is very difficult for a life of willful sin to coexist with daily Bible reading because here is the word constantly exposing, constantly revealing motives, positions of the heart that are at odds with God. And so what is going to happen if there is this kind of ongoing life of willful sin and the word of God? Eventually, one is going to give. Eventually, we're going to so desire the sin that we're going to abandon the reading of the word because we're tired of it of the Bible telling us what it is happening in our life that's against God, or the path that our Heavenly Father would have us choose is that we would abandon what is separating us from God. We would abandon the sin. We would abandon what is causing hurt to uh, ourselves, hurt to others, and damaging our relationship with our Heavenly Father, and we would leave that in the past. I also know this. The Bible in church is not enough. The Bible in, in church is not enough. Meaning this, I, I want to bring my best for you each week, but every time I, sh I share, there's so much more that could be said. We cannot look at the portion of the Bible that we receive on Sunday mornings as being sufficient for the entire week. 
Psalm 119, verse 162 says, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. The psalmist says that reading the word is like finding treasure. And I pray as a pastor, as your pastor, I pray that your personal Bible reading time reaches a place where it feels to you like as you read the Bible, like you are discovering treasure. A pastor said that preaching is like mining for treasure. You invest the week underground, hammering and picking and reading and praying and writing. And then on Sunday, you come to the surface with the precious gems to share with the church. I would add to that that it often feels like there's too much to carry because most of you do not want me to preach for two hours. Now, when I said that in the first service, a precious senior saint said, yes, we do. So I'm thinking about it for next week. Wow. The two-hour sermon. Whew. You know, we, we, all summer, we worked our way through the book of Colossians. We devoted an entire season to Colossians, and yet we got to the end of that, and I felt like, man, there's so much more that we could have explored. For our Christmas series, His Name Shall Be Called, we devoted a month to a single verse in Isaiah, and yet at the end of the month, I still felt like there was so much, it was, we could have gone so much deeper into wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I met a pastor in Europe several years ago who told me that he was on his second year of his ongoing series of preaching through Ephesians, a two-year message series, because the word contains so many treasures, so much depth, that we cannot we cannot look to our time on Sundays in church together alone as a sufficient portion of God's word. In 1866, so I shared with you that I felt like as we were talking through our summer, our Christmas series that every one of these names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, that there was so much more that could have been said. And uh, it seems like the great preacher Charles Spurgeon actually felt the same way all the way back in the year 1866 because he preached a sermon on everlasting father. And when he preached on everlasting father, he said this from the pulpit, I cannot pretend to dive into the profound depths of the word, but can only skim the surface as the swallow skims the sea. If my basket contains nothing more than a barley loaf and a few small fishes, may the master of the feast multiply the food in the breaking that there may be food convenient for his people. Our heavenly father, if you're, I don't know if this is just for one person or for, for many today, if you are here today and you are relying on what is preached on Sunday morning as your portion of the word for the week, I just want to tell you, God has so much more for you. He, wants, he has so much more he wants to speak to your heart about his character, about what he has for you, that uh, I don't want you to miss out any longer. And I would encourage you, to get into the word as a daily habit.
Psalm 119 has so many rich truths about God's word. Psalm 119, it is the longest of all the Psalms. In fact, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Some trivia that you can impress your friends with. Psalm 119, verses nine and 10. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Psalm 119, verses 66 and 67. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Maybe you memorize this in the King James Version with your word as a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The word, the Bible, it keeps our heart pure, guards us from wandering into what is destructive. The word teaches what is good. The word gives us a life path. Scripture was not only written for them back then. It is for us now it is for us now and ultimately you know we talked about this word obsolete and what uh when something is no longer useful it's no longer useful because it's been replaced ultimately the bible is relevant and will continue to be relevant because the bible is what describes the way for humanity to have restored relationship with our heavenly father through Jesus Christ. Reading the Bible doesn't make us right with God. We are restored in relationship with our heavenly father through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection. But it is God's word that reveals this to us. There's nothing better, there's nothing stronger, there's nothing faster, and there never will be. The Bible is what records the Old Testament events that lead up to Jesus. The Bible is what records Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And the Bible is what gives us the teachings of the early church from those who walked and talked with Jesus. Church, the Bible's purpose has certainly not passed us by. So, so what do we mean when we say that the Bible is inspired? Well, the 40-plus authors of the Bible wrote from their cultural perspective. They wrote from their spiritual perspective. They wrote from their, their social perspective, guided by the Holy Spirit. God did not put these uh, authors in some sort of trance. God did not take control of their bodies and force them to write down what they wrote down. The Bible, in large part, is not some sort of heavenly dictation. Matthew, gather some papyrus and a quill pen and write down these words. That's not what happened. 
Now, there are some places where clearly there is the, the supernatural interactions between God and his people, like Moses in the burning bush and Paul on the road to Damascus, Peter, James, and John in the transfiguration on the mountaintop. And there seems to be these moments in the Old Testament where the prophets heard so clearly from God that perhaps it was audible. But how did, so the, the gospel accounts that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were recorded decades after Jesus walked the earth. Uh, among the, the authors of the gospel, Matthew and John, they were apostles. Mark, his primary source for the information that he had was Peter. Mark can even be thought of as a gospel according to Peter. And then you have Luke, who almost like a journalist or a reporter had access to these first eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. How did they recall or remember decades later what Jesus said and exactly what Jesus spoke? Well, I want you to look at what Jesus promised as recorded in John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Of all that we know about what Jesus said and did, there is so much more that is not recorded. In the final lines of John's account of the gospel, John writes this, John 21, 25. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. When I, when I first read that, I think about John referring to the three years of Jesus' earthly ministry. So it would be true of the years of Jesus' earthly ministry that there were so many things that Jesus did during that time that there's no way that they could all be written down. Yet that continues today. The work of Jesus Christ continues today. We could look at the year behind us and we could say that Jesus did so many things in the year that just happened that there's no way that they could all be written down. Why? Because the word is alive and active. Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is on the move. Jesus is still saving. Jesus is still healing. He is still restoring. He is still forgiving. And Jesus is still teaching. The Bible is a gift from God because through scripture we learn the character of our heavenly father to become more like Christ. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture, Paul writes to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The American Bible Society research says that about half in our nation have no meaningful relationship with the Bible. And so maybe you've wondered why, why are we so all in on activities and ministry for our kids, for our boys and girls? You know, when, when you bring your sons and daughters, your grandchildren to church, you bring the neighbor's kids, we don't just have like babysitting and childcare for the kids while the adults do church. 
At the same time that we're having church here, our kids at every age are having age-appropriate church for their season in life. Here is one of the reasons why. According to the American Bible Society, about three out of every four adults who are using the Bible today, about three out of every four adults using the Bible today, they were introduced to the Bible as a child. About three out of every four adults using the Bible today were introduced to God's word as a child. We desire to not do it all on our own, but to come alongside parents, come alongside moms and dads and grandparents and grown-ups who have influence over kids to help you and to serve you into pastoring your children to cultivate a love of God's word in their heart. For adults, Bible engagement often begins with a disruption. If you have been away from the word, you've been away from the Bible, it is often a disruption that is the catalyst to launch or relaunch time in God's word. A broken relationship, grief, trauma, an addiction can often launch a person back into the word or into the word for the first time. So my encouragement for all of us today, read the Bible as if it is God's word because it is. Read the Bible as if it is God speaking directly to you. Not enough time. When we make lifetime commitments, it can feel overwhelming and we miss a few days or a week and we get discouraged, so we quit. If you're constantly feeling like, like you don't have enough time to read the Bible, let me encourage you, commit to one week. Say, I, can I commit to the next week of being in the word for 20 minutes a day? And I believe that God's gonna help you and he's gonna give you success in that area. And after one week goes well, go for another week. If you miss a day, start back up the next day. Don't know where to start? Now again, every service has its own little dynamics. When I said don't know where to start in the first service, kind of unprompted, people in the congregation just started yelling out books of the Bible like, start here, start here. <laughs> Helpful. And uh, I would just offer that Matthew and Genesis are great places to get understanding of of a beginning launching place for the word of God, Genesis and Matthew. There are other places that you could begin. I would actually recommend not starting with Leviticus and Hebrews if you've never been in the word before. If you feel like there are words in your vocab that are used in your Bible that aren't in your vocabulary and they're like, I don't use this, this and thou and they and uh, like this and you're struggling to understand because the vocabulary just does not match to your vocabulary and it almost feels like you're reading the Bible in a foreign language. Well, praise God, we have many translations of the Bible and it may be time to look at a different translation at least to get you started. The New Living Translation, many find this to be the most conversational of the good Bible translations. If you're reading the word and you often get stuck because it's like, ah, oh, I, I believe this is from God, but there must be some context here that I don't get. There must be some background that uh, would really help me to understand why God has is, is put this in his word. Uh, maybe for you, the next step in your Bible journey is to buy a good or to invest in a good study Bible that will help you with the context and help you with some notes. And we highly recommend the Fire Bible. Maybe you're 
reading the word and you, you, you're looking for something specific, what does the Bible have to say about this or that? I, if you haven't discovered them already, I encourage you to put the Bible app on your phone or look at the website Bible Gateway, uh, which have great search tools to help you find different topical information in the Bible. And maybe you come across stories and you would just say, being real, I'm having a difficult time getting my mind around Jonah and the whale. I'm having a difficult time getting my mind around a speaking donkey in the Old Testament. It's okay to have questions. God can take our questions. God can take our questions. My encouragement is to, in those moments, to speak to your heavenly father candidly in prayer and say, Father, I believe that this is your word. And there's a reason that you have chosen to put this historical account in my Bible. Help me to see why. Help me to see why. If there is something that you read and it's like, but this just actually seems impossible. Well, we actually worship a God of the impossible. Remember that. And it's okay to say, God, I'm just being real with you. There's a struggle right now in my mind to wrap my head around this. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Our Heavenly Father desires to help you understand his word. Our vision is to be a Christ-centered community of spiritually thriving households. And when we can, we want to resource you to lead your home well in parenting, grandparenting, fostering, whatever that may be. And so the message series that we're beginning today, Relevant, How Does God Speak?, it tracks with a home devotion plan through the Bible Engagement Project. So I invite you, we have a QR code on your, your screen, I invite you to download the Bible Engagement app or to go to the Bible Engagement online home and to set up a free account. This is a gift for you. We want to empower you and equip you. And through Bible Engagement Project, through the Learn Track, the very first Bible study that will come up there is a four-week home devotional series that is called Why is the Bible Relevant? And these are designed for you to use in your home. There is a series that is for adults, that is great for grown-ups. It's good for teenagers, for adults to do with teenage children or adult children. There is a family devotion track, which is great if you have elementary age boys and girls that are under your influence, that are part of your, your home. There... Um, there is a teenage track that is designed for high school students to go through together. Uh, maybe you'd use the Bible Engagement Project to informally bring a group together and do the questions together. We want to equip you to be pastors of your home. And uh, we believe that you can successfully pastor and lead your home without having a theology degree when we come alongside parents and grandparents and grown-ups. Reporter Stephen Petro 
shared the story of Jacqueline Zinn in the Washington Post. Jacqueline, a wife, mother of four, triathlete, and product manager of a pharmaceutical company, was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2013. She died 18 months later at age 56. At the time, her children ranged in age from 11 to 21. Jacqueline's husband remembers that nearing death, this side of eternity, every night for weeks, his wife wrote letters to their children. She wrote multiple letters to each child, not to be opened all at once, but to be opened on the dates of different life milestones. There was a letter for each child to be opened after her death. There were also letters to be opened on graduation day, on wedding days. One of her sons said that he actually considered dropping out of college. And part of what sustained him, part of what kept him in college was knowing that on graduation day, there was a letter from his mom that was waiting to be opened. And that letter in part says this, this is it, a big milestone in your life, college graduation, written on his mother's stationery in her cursive writing. She wrote, congratulations, I'm so incredibly proud of you. No matter what your major or minors, I know you made it worthwhile and got just exactly what you wanted out of this experience. I know you learned an incredible amount about subjects and probably an even greater amount about people. Jacqueline's husband said that his wife was incredibly physically weak as she wrote these letters with a ballpoint pen in her own cursive and even dependent on a wheelchair to get around during the season that she was writing all these letters. And what you have is incredibly meaningful words written years in advance from a parent to a child. A mother who knew that years later what she wrote down would speak to the hearts of her children. A mother who knew that years later what was written down would speak to the hearts of her children. The Bible says if earthly parents know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? My heavenly Father and yours, he put things in writing years ago knowing that thousands of years later, you and I would open these words, not just as words spoken to them back then, but words that our Heavenly Father is speaking to us today with just as much depth and meaning as the day that they were written. And so my encouragement, no matter where you are in your Bible engagement journey, May this be the year that it goes to an extra depth, to the next step. May this be the year that your personal Bible engagement journey begins or relaunches. 
Maybe in your mind you had um, years or decades of Bible engagement and you kind of reached a point where you felt like, I, I know what's in there. And I believe your heavenly father is challenging you today to reopen the word and get back to your first love. May we be a church family that is made up of biblically engaged households so that together we collectively at a greater level than we already are continue to develop as a biblically engaged church. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.